Welcome to the Servant Leadership Online Training Summit, 10 Days to Better Relationships and Results, brought to you by Ken Blanchard, Barrett Kohler Publishers, and Conscious Marketer. Learn more at ServantLeadershipSummit.com. Hi, I'm Ken Blanchard. Our next speaker is Tony Barron. He's a professor at Exusa Pacific University and a well-known speaker, writer, and consultant on the subject of creating servant leaders and transforming churches and corporations. He serves as a scholar in residence for the Center for Executive Excellence and is the author of six books, including The Art of Servant Leadership. Tony holds a double doctorate in psychology and theology. I first met Tony when he was running the Servant Leadership Institute at Daytron World Communications. As I got to know him, I realized he was not only a wonderful author and speaker, but also a great teacher, as you'll see. Welcome back to the Servant Leadership Online Training Summit. I'm Richard Taubinger, and I'm the founder of Conscious Marketer and the co-host and co-producer for the event. Uh, for our next presenter, we're going to be talking with Tony Barron. And Tony today is going to be talking about his mentor and servant leader, Dallas Willard. He'll be sharing with us three words that must be used and applied for every servant leader. And Tony will also be telling us about the millennials who over the next five years will be over 50% of the workforce and how, how that relates to servant leadership. Welcome, Tony. It's good to be here, Richard. And uh, Tony is nearby in San Diego, so I drove down to meet today. It's great to see you in person because a lot of these have been done remotely. <laughs> great to see you too. Now, before we dive into our topic today, Tony, we're asking everybody, it's almost a rhetorical question now, <laughs> but why is servant leadership so important in our world today? Well, we were talking about that very question and began and I almost started laughing <laughs> because if you've watched the news, you've seen all the elements that are going on about leadership and the misuse and abuse of power. The only solution that one can have is servant leadership. And so it's critically important from politics to uh, corporations, to churches, to organizations, whether they're for-profit or non-profit, to practice this kind of leadership if we're going to truly see a change in the world. Yeah, that's really so true. And with, with uh, the world needs it more than ever. And it's moving, the world seems like the world's moving so much quicker. So change is happening so fast for people, too. Information is so fast. And so there has to be certain guidelines, principles that are important for them to guide this fast process of how they do things. So they do it well, but they do it with integrity. All right. Well, let's dive right into your topic now. Now, I know uh, you can't see it here, but on the wall, he has a picture of Dallas Willard, your mentor. Yes. Uh, probably most people here don't know who Dallas Willard is. Could you explain maybe who he is and then tell, tell us why he exemplifies a certain leader, a leader for you? Dallas Willow, Willard was one of the heroes of my faith. He was professor of philosophy for over 40 years at the University of Southern California. Uh, he was in my doctoral program um, as one of my mentors and teachers. And I wrote the article um, in the book, Servant Leadership in Action, which you'll be reading about Dallas Willard, the smartest man I ever met. And indeed that's true because he was the individual who combined character chemistry. He provided a competency like no other. He was a person who lived on earth closer to heaven than I ever met, yet became very practical, 
very well noted in the deep field of, of uh, philosophy, yet at the same time, he was a deep student of theology and dealing with people with integrity. Um, to meet him, you, you realize that he is not only a mentor, but also a model to follow of how to live the right kind of life in this day and age. Yeah. And um, could you tell us a little bit about, you know, mentorship is obviously really important in servant leadership and how we find and meet a mentor. How did he mentor you? What was his style and how did he have an impact on your life? Well, part of his mentorship was also being an author of several books, one of which is Divine Conspiracy, which is his standard text that he's used in the field of theology. And the answer or the question that he wanted to address is why so many people are interested in going to heaven, as opposed to what Jesus was trying to tell people was, how can we bring heaven on earth? And to make this um, relationship so different about truly loving God and loving our neighbors as ourselves. And so based upon the Bible, based upon theology, based upon his work, he, he began to teach us in very practical ways of how to live the Christ-like life on earth as it is in heaven. And so through his books was amazing. The one-on-one -on -one times were unbelievable. I remember one difficult time I had when I was in the pastorate before I was in, in the academic world. Um, I was really questioning. I, I was going through a lot of stress in the ministry at that time. And he just listened. And he listened with his heart. He listened deep within his soul. And you could see such grace that he had as he shared with me and, and, and talked to me and actually encouraged me and inspired me um, in the ministry. And so I, I'll never forget that moment. And it was a very powerful uh, time. And he's not only touched me, he's touched many Christian leaders around the world in terms of his work. Well, that's, that's incredible. And uh, so, so the chap, the, you have written a chapter in the new book, uh, Servant Leadership in Action. And so uh, you can learn more about Dallas Willard in there and uh, your story with him in there. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's uh, move on into like what it really takes to be a servant leader and I know that you have uh, three words that you like to focus on. Do you want to lead us there? And I, I think the first word is, or the first concept is why over what? Yes. Can you tell us about that? So let me define, if I can, servant leadership is my understanding. Yeah. Because the, the whole concept of leadership uh, etymologically means steering a ship in the middle of a storm. And we need to understand that leadership will always have crisis and chaos, especially when you're dealing with performance issues, people issues, profitability issues, and others. So a good person that exhibits leadership has this ability to steer the ship and take care of the cargo, take care of their people, take care of where they need to go in terms of their destination. And so the goal of servant leadership is really for the sake of others. Is designed to inspire and equip and encourage others in the work so that we can maximize profitability as if you're a for-profit organization or you can maximize the potential of your people and the third factor of a servant leader is truly to maximize our potential planet are we making a difference in the world that we have or are we simply narcissistic with our own domain in terms of our expertise so in this day and age when we're talking about 
our millennial community. We're talking about this fast pace that we are living under where the new four letter word is busy. There are three critical words that we really need to focus upon for us to have an understanding. And the first one that you mentioned, Richard, is the why over the how. Um, it is fundamentally important that we are able to communicate to those around us the why of why we do something, the purpose behind it, the, the understanding, because many times we're focusing on the details, the hows, or even sometimes the whos, but over a course of a period of time, they begin to lose the motivation of why they do something. It's the old story that you have about the president of the United States visiting NASA one time in the 1960s, and they asked the person there that was sweeping the floors, uh, what, what are you doing? What's your position in this organization? And he says, well, I'm here, sir, to take a man to the moon. That person will have the ability to understand the why that that person exists and begin with. And so when you look at the message of Jesus, it was all about the why. If you want to understand great movers and shakers of the world like Nelson Mandela or Mahatma Gandhi, it was the, it was a process of the why. The why allows people to think beyond themselves and to move into deeper and deeper ways to be willing to sacrifice for the sake of other individuals. The second element that's important in our society is that we need to think of the word and as opposed to the word or. Right. And, and we live in such a pluralistic society um, that it's important that we have everyone give a voice to the direction that we are going to and spend time on. I've encouraged executives, for example, not just get input from those other executives around the table, but that many decisions can be made invite understanding what's going on in middle management, what's going on in the floor in the assembly line, getting input from other individuals so that you are able to see the entire picture. Too many times in our society, we are kind of bipolar psychologically as well as in practical terms. And so it's always either or, right or wrong. And usually that right is defined by that interest group, that fringe group, uh, and, and that's wrong. The focus of what you need to have is the focus upon and. There's an element in improvisation that you always teach uh, individuals when you're doing improv work. There's guidelines. And part of the guidelines is you always say yes and, yes, and. as opposed to just saying no. And no blocks. Yes and gives you the opportunity to carry on with the story of what needs to be communicated and what you need to spend time with. So the word and is really important for the individual. So you have the why and you have the and, but the third element is really important, and that's the word with as opposed to for. Most of us that are leaders are givers. Most of us as leaders sacrifice our time, our treasures, our commitment, especially if you're entrepreneurial in, in nature, and we do a lot of things for people. Nonprofit organizations, we give to charity to assist them for they can uh, be helped in that way. But that's not the key. The key is that the most powerful instrument you can use among your people is doing with them. Yeah. And let me give you an example of this. I had a, I know a CEO that was donating a significant amount, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to a nonprofit organization. And because the nonprofit individual was an alpha dog himself and the CEO was an alpha dog themselves, 
there was really a relatively minor thing that could have been resolved. But because they were both alpha dogs in the situation, these two combated and the CEO quit giving the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to his nonprofit organization. It devastated that organization. It hurt them greatly. Yeah. Now, the reason he stopped was he was doing for that nonprofit organization. Right. But I guarantee you, if he worked with the people and spent time with the people that they were serving, that he would actually have meals with them, have the ability to talk to the people that needed help, actually invested a day, two, maybe even a week being with those people, yeah. he wouldn't have quit giving. Yeah, it would have been a different uh, different energy. And you know, the I think the other point there is when you're you feel like you're giving four, then you start to feel resentful and you don't you don't feel like it's a it's a, sh a shared responsibility. That's know? right. When you're giving four, there's an element of being resentful, but also an element of superiority. Mm -hmm. And what we need to realize, the equality of who we are as human beings, that we have a responsibility to assist and to help one another. And, and so doing with is very important. That's why you see in the Bible, you see many conversations that are the focus around the table. Or if you spend time together in corporations, the things that you have meals with, the retreats that you have, the aspect of with can be so much more powerful than just saying in a word or two what you're doing for another individual. It reminds me of Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, where he's like, you know, you don't create the strategy and then tell your people to execute it. You get people, the right people on the bus, and then you get them to co-create the strategy so it's their strategy. Ownership's very important. Yeah. If you can't, you don't build that ownership, you're not going to um, be successful. You know, there's only four decisions every leader makes in life. Um, first decision is command decision. And the only time you should make a command decision is either you don't trust the people that you're working with or there's a sense of emergency. The second decision that you need to make is the idea of consensus. And consensus means that you have a long time to come to some decision that needs to be made as you're building that relationship. Third is consultation. That is, you may not have a long time, but whoever is affected by those decisions, you're getting input even though the buck stops with you. And the fourth one is convenience. It's so unimportant to so many people in, in, in that um, aspect of it. You just make a decision of convenience. What leaders make the mistake is that they often will substitute command for consultation or consensus. And every time you use command decision, you take away a trust point. Right. And, and, and you continue to do that, um, you're losing the ownership, you're losing their commitment, you're, you're losing their sacrifice within the organization. People need a bigger dream. They need a bigger narrative than themselves. And if you're not providing that, you're not doing a good job as a leader. Yeah, I think there's a big distinction between maybe a high performer in an organization and they're used to doing everything. But I think when you shift into leadership roles, then you have a responsibility to understand that your time is to actually train the other people to make the decisions, right? That's right. And so maximizing your potential, your people are very important. You really have to sit aside, uh, set yourself aside and look, what, if this may take a little bit longer, but this is what I need to do to prepare people for future decisions that they need to make when I'm not present. Yeah. And that's probably a key to growth in an organization too, because if, you, if everything's, if you're not moving the decisions further down and training, empowering people below you, then you're not 
you know, you're, you're not freeing your time up to do the other, the other important things too, right? That's right. And, and so growth always happens under adversity. Remember, it's steering the ship in the middle of the storm. That's where growth really happens is in the midst of those trials that each one encounters, the mistakes that they make, but they learn from so they don't make it again. That's the key of experience, right? Just learning from your mistakes. Would you have a short a story that you would want to share about an adversity that you've seen or uh, that you uh, have gone through yourself that, that you know, you've come out of it a better servant leader? Or? Yeah. Um, when I was in my 30s, many, many decades ago, when I was in my 30s, <laughs> Um, I had a very prominent position within the organization, but I thought being a leader meant that I, that they were looking for me to provide all the answers. They are looking for me to always be involved in the decision-making process. And, and because I'm an achiever and because I like to maximize the potential um, within an organization, I find myself, found myself actually melting down that, um, in the midst of the adversity, I was finding that I was making quick decisions just to make decisions. It wasn't the right decision. Right. I found that I was beginning to use people as tools as opposed to the dignity of who they were as a human being. And I was actually crumbling because I was becoming not what I wanted to become. Right. And I needed to take a step away from that, that organization and that time to really live a life of integrity for myself of who I was. I didn't like the person I was becoming at that point. Right. Yeah, there's always those crux periods where you know you're off of it and you have to kind of readjust and come back in alignment. So there's a great book by Thomas Friedman called Taking Your uh, Taking the Time or Thank You for Being Late. <laughs> and the reason being is that in our society today people are always late for lunches and activities and what you and I normally do, we kind of resent it. Don't they realize how busy we are? And, and so what Thomas Friedman did um, in that, he said, thank you for actually being late because it, it allowed me to think. <laughs> and we don't think anymore. We are a doing society and we really do need to think. And, and so it's given me a whole new perspective in terms of when people are late. It actually gives me an opportunity not to do, but to be. I've seen, I've seen fights break out for people trying to cut in lines and whatever. And one of my first mentors is like, you know, if you're, you guys need to be patient, learn patience. That's a secret. And he was, he was always like, if you go to the grocery store, pick the longest line, you know, and, <laughs> and get in there and uh, develop that quality, you know, find little ways where you can, like you said, wait. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I wish God would hurry up and make me more patient, right? <laughs> and, and, and patience, actually, a biblical term for that is long suffering. And the idea is that God never really does anything quickly. In fact, most of the time in our lives, he works in a zigzag pattern. Um, you and I, as achievers, often say to ourselves, the shortest distance between point A to point B is a straight line. But as I look at the Bible, God never moves in a straight line from point A to point B because his process is always about faith. And so he zigs and he zags, he moves to this direction, he moves to that direction. And our journey is to follow along in that particular way. So we begin to see and we learn this journey of calling faith and life. So your ultimate goal is actually not that particular situation. That's a process, that's a journey to form you to be the kind of person you need to be to maximize your people and your profits and the planet that we live in. 
Well, thanks, thanks for sharing uh, your wisdom today. I, I wanted, to, I have, uh, you have this great library. I was kind of checking it out before I can, but I just wanted to, to, to share two of his books. One is The Art of Servant, Servant Leadership. You can get this on Amazon and also The Cross and The Tao, which is a, a story about Jesus. Is that right? It's about leadership and it's yeah. leadership for the church. So The Cross and The Tao, that's a really interesting title. Can you tell us a little bit more about what those represent in this book? That book was in particular designed because most of the world is based upon acquiring power and protecting power. And when you're focused on acquiring power, the natural psychological wave becomes pride. And when you're protecting power, it's usually motivated because of fear. And so what often happens is that you're committed to efficiency over dignity, in fact, in place of dignity. And what happens with individuals at that point that work for you, they realize they're simply a tool. They're there either to make money, save money, increase production, cut cost, or solve your problems. And what we find in the Cross and Taos is, in particular for church leaders, is that we find many church leaders should know better, but they're often practicing that, um, that viewpoint of acquiring power or protecting power. Jesus' method was the Cross and the Towel. It was based upon the Cross, the ultimately in terms of sacrifice. In fact, that's the only moral authority you have. Are you willing to sacrifice for the sake of other individuals? Mark 10, verse 45 says, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And the aspect about the towel is the aspect talking in John chapter 13, dealing with washing the feet and the aspect of service. When you have the cross and the towel in terms of leadership, you're now having dignity. You're still committed to efficiency, but you're having dignity. People now know you're not just using them as a tool. You gain greater ownership, greater ability to maximize their potential as human beings and maximize the potential of your organization. And so this is, um, this is a book that's very dear to my heart. And I, the subtitle is Leading to a Higher Calling. And I think it's a very important aspect for us as leaders, whether you're in a church or whether you're in a corporate life. I think it's really easy to start to look at everything around you as objects. Uh, and part of that is the busyness and how full we get. And we literally kind of go outside ourselves and lose that sense of awareness that we're actually dealing with a, a live human being. So the potential of true life is living in the precious moment. Mm -hmm. And what often happens in organizations, you're always regretting the past or you're having anxiety about the future. But real life is living in that moment. You pay attention to that moment. And, um, and busyness actually messes, it numbs us. Just like alcohol or drugs, we have an opiate um, addiction that's going on in our society. Alcoholism is up. We're seeing more psychological disorders. We're, we're seeing all these things going on, and that's to numb the pain that they're in. I'm committed to health, health for the organization and health for the individual. That's a powerful concept that busy, busyness is an, is an opiate. So That's right. Yeah, it takes us away from our feelings and uh, our connection with others, potentially. In just a second, you're going to share a servant leadership practice that people can take, take home with them in their business or life. Before we do that, I just want to quickly mention, as we do on all the interviews, that you can get all of the recordings for all 40 interviews. You can click the button on this page. During the, uh, the summit, uh, the price is $297 and just tremendous amounts of uh, insight and wisdom in these, in these recordings. Everybody's kind of bringing their best, and you also get access to 40 speaker bonuses. Okay, with that said, 
um, I'm going to hand it back over to you and ask what uh, I'm kind of interested. What's the one practice that you would suggest people like anchor in and focus on if they wanted to become a better servant leader? Um, I'd like you to think of the word Sabbath. That the tendency for leaders is they are on 724, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. But what we have been designed as human beings is to really take time away, a Sabbath, at least one day a week, or have many vacations that you can sit aside and really focus on the other things in your life, even taking time to think, even the aspect of self-care. There's always things that you have to do in your particular life. There's On your sheet, it never ends. I get that. That's true for you, and that's true for us as well. But you need to take a Sabbath, not only for yourself, but if you're married with your family um, and with others. You need to work from your rest, not rest from your work. So I would say one practice would be the Sabbath. Okay. And I, I like that idea of take it when you can and, and plan it in. and for different people watching that may mean different things, but yeah. Uh, yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and for uh, uh, being here today. I really, we really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for the listeners for tuning in today and we will see you on the, uh, the next training. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tony. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for attending the Servant Leadership Online Training Summit. To own the Servant Leadership Training Kit, including 40 videos, full transcripts, and over 35 speaker bonuses at a 40% discount, click the upgrade button now. This special offer is limited and available only during the summit, so act now. Thank you.